trying to make y'all comfortable. Welcome back to the Inside Feed. On today's show, we are speaking with NBC's PLL sideline reporter Chantel McCabe on being a woman in sports, her journey in sports broadcasting, and sideline reporting the PLL's inaugural season. Yes, it's a really good interview, so don't go anywhere. But before we get into that, I'm Emma, and that's Lisa. Hi. And this is the Inside Feed, and we're the social media coordinators here at the Premier Lacrosse League. And this podcast is going to give you an inside scoop as to what's happening, what we're seeing, and all the preparation going into this championship series, which I'm so excited. Less than two months. I... We get to see our friends in two months. I know. I can't wait. <laughs> That's the biggest takeaway. I know. I don't know who. Oh, I'm so excited to see just everyone. And it's just going to be like. Oh. I'm excited for everyone to see everyone. I know. You know what I mean? Just the reunion. The human reunion. A safe reunion. Yes. That will be first. But yes. Yes. <laughs> um, do you just want to get into our interview with Chantel? Well, I think we should give some context as to like what we're wanting this show to be. So um, if you don't know Chantal McCabe, she is the sideline reporter for NBC. And she is the one that you probably see on the sidelines doing the really quick interviews right after someone makes a goal, a big play. So um, both me and Lisa, obviously being women in sports, really wanted to interview her and talk with her just about her journey and... I think everyone's journey, I mean, me and Lisa's journey to get into sports is completely different. Yeah, it's always fascinating. I'm always interested in hearing from anyone that works in sports how they got to where they are because I think what people don't see that aren't in the industry, they don't see um, them graduating and like working in Iowa and making like 20 grand a year. Like they don't see – you see all these people on ESPN and NBC and these huge shows, but you don't realize that they spent – the last like 10 years of their life grinding it out and making very little money and working in really small markets. And it seems very glamorous, but it's, it's a lot of work to get to where they have been and where they are now. And so I'm always interested in hearing people's backstory and their journey because everyone is, is different. I'm really excited for everyone to hear it. Yep. So here is our interview with Chantel. Please welcome to the show sideline reporter for the PLL and host on the Golf Channel for NBC, Chantel McCabe. Hello. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> Finally, we have a female. Yes. On the podcast. You're our first. Power of the female. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and that's what we pretty much have you on here for because we want to talk to you about being a woman in sports and how uh, what your career path has looked like and how you eventually found your way to PLL. So let's start from the very beginning. What made you want to pursue a career in broadcasting and what has your career path sort of looked like to get you to NBC? Well, I'm sure you've seen probably those memes and those TikToks where it's like, where I am, where I want to be in a straight line. And then it's like what it actually looks like. And there's a million different zigzags. So I know a lot of people can relate um, when I say I had no uh, real game plan of how this was going to happen, at least what I envisioned and um, come to fruition. But I went to school at UNH, um, New Hampshire, that is, uh, for sports management. And my intention was to be an athletic director. I loved 
athletics. Um, I thought college, that would be such a good place to pour my passion and time and energy. Um, I love higher education. So I'm like, wow, that's the perfect union for um, both passions of mine. And through a lot of internships and different roles that I had to play, different hats that I had to wear, I realized that Although it, good intentions, what you get paid for um, and the time that you spend with weekends, summers, holidays, the commitment that it takes and what you're doing, um, it's it wasn't exactly worth it for me. So what kind of convinced me is, you know, I'd be putting in the orders for vending machines for facilities and logging ref hours for the rec center. And uh, that part, I mean, you got to do the unglamorous things. You got to you know, take the good with the bad. But I said, you know what? There's very few programs that I'd probably want to do this at. And, you know, it kind of stinks too, because you get some hoodlums in the mix and you've got to you know, do the damage control for people who are just kind of getting their footing under them as adults and really forming the future for them. So I thought, wow, I really like the side of it where I'm going out and putting together game notes and reviewing stats and putting um, packets together, um, the media side of it. I was on the media relations um, end of things. And at the time, it sounds so crazy because, for example, PLL has a whole team dedicated to content, but this was back in 2009 and 10, and my school did not yet have really much of a media presence. So I was kind of tasked to do pregame interviews of every sport. So I was you know, learning about ski and track and field on the fly, um, but I got to do a lot of the football and UNH is known for their hockey program. So uh, big hockey fan um, that will always be uh, number one in my heart. And of course, from New England, that's status quo. But um, I kind of took that and ran with it. And I said, oh, let me try an internship and uh, learning more about it. I don't know if I love it. I mean, I, I know I enjoy watching the news, but uh, what's even more ironic is I never played any sports. I did like rec volleyball for a half a season. And I was like, okay, these people are weird. And I, uh, I was a theater geek growing up. So I did dance, ballet. Uh, I had some hip hop in me. So um, that's been fun. But uh, it's, it's crazy how one thing led to another. And I've always joked, I'm going to do this TV thing and ride the wave while I can. But um, I got put through the gauntlet because – opportunities kept coming and I wasn't necessarily ready for them, but you can't say no when you never know if that's going to arise again. So right out of school, I knew I needed live experience because I didn't even know the terms of TV, like what's a VOSA, what is an IF, an IFB, what, what is that? I was, you know, basically taking a video recorder. Now I have phones, of course, but a video recorder and taking a tripod pressing record. And that was all I knew how to do. So in terms of the structure of it and the lingo and um, things that you learn, uh, the 101s, when you go to school for journalism, broadcasting, I was learning that on the fly. And let me tell you girls, uh, it was ugly. <laughs> so I went, to, I went to local news out of college and I tried to cut my teeth there and I did. I wish I stayed longer. Hindsight's twenty twenty, but at the time, I'm like, oh, get me out of here! I want to be covering sports. Um, what's crazy is I was doing um, another league's coverage 
on CBS Sports. Mm -hmm. So that was my intro to Paul. And it's crazy how it has all come full circle. But um, out of school, I did 11 months about at the local news station. And like I said, the weekends um, covering said other league. Then I got what was my dream job covering an NHL team, that being the Carolina Hurricanes. Sounded glamorous, fun, charter planes, uh, covering a professional sports team, like being their beat reporter, uh, doing every interview at the age of 23. Hell yeah. (laughs) Well, (laughs) that was, I had the goggles on. That was when you are covering a team and traveling with them everywhere and they are having a losing season and you're the only female. Um... You're the youngest. People are taking their anger out on you for things that you weren't even you weren't even a part of. Oh my god! I will never forget the horror. The horror. I mean, I was like, my I had to call my parents on a regular basis. Like, I don't know if I'm cut out for this. Like, these this is this is nutty. So, um, yeah, I uh, ooh, I've got stories from there, which could take a whole another podcast. But um, learned a lot of hard tough lessons, got out of um, sports for a little while and did uh, politics covering the 2016 election, random. And now here I am at Golf Channel <laughs> covering the PLL. I mean, just like I said, the line just took a little random turnarounds. You left, as you said, you left to go to politics. What made you come back into sports? So I figured that I probably was a little bit harsh and tender, um, probably emotional too, with my judgment of thinking, wow, this is what all sports must be like. And boy, did I read that wrong and had an ill perception of it. Um, And I will say covering a team versus covering a league versus uh, being on the news side of sports reporting versus, um, you know, covering a new league is they're all totally different trades and works of art. So I thought, wow, I I could probably go back into sports if I wasn't just going day by day with the team and living through their anger, frustrations, um, anxiety, injuries with them. Maybe I could try it a different way. And I got to tell you, golf was the biggest blessing because I didn't know jack about golf. I remember going to my first interview and I played it. I smoked cigars with my dad and have some beers in the golf course and like swing a golf club. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. But um, I said in my interview, I'm like, I can name 10 golfers. Do you call them golfers or players? What the the hell are they? (laughs) And so I said all this stuff in my interview and they're like, we have plenty of people who know golf. We need people who have the personality and the charisma and the hard work. And you've got those. So we're just going to like fuse those together and you'll learn the sport. I'm like, sure. (laughs) So um, yeah, it, uh, it was great because golf was exactly what I needed because most of the time you were covering, um, and this is not to be spoiled, but you were covering the guys who were playing well. So you weren't talking to these people who were throwing things and like their careers are ending. Like um, now I've learned to love to cover those stories because uh, with the experience and the maturity that I have, I, I think those things are so much more powerful than interviewing the same top 10 players over and over again, who you get the same answers from. So uh, it was the perfect recipe for what I needed to kind of get over that hump of fear, I guess I had. And then you eventually found your way to the PLL. How did that 
um, whole thing transpire? Was it because you already had a background covering lacrosse a little bit? Or how did NBC come to you and be like, hey, we want you to report on this new league that we're starting? Yeah, well, it was crazy because I had stayed in touch with Paul. So I had kind of known there was something in the works. I didn't know when it would actually become a reality. I said, yeah, I'd absolutely be interested, um, especially since it sounds like it's going to be an NBC property. So, uh, you know, we all have non-compete clauses in terms of I can't go and do an event at CBS Sports if they ask me to. So it has to stay inside the family, as we like to say. And I'm like, wow, this almost is too good to be true. So, you know, going back and forth with my agent, um, I had gone up to NBC Sports headquarters where, of course, um, you know, they just did the draft and the college draft, that is. So I I uh, wanted to be in the mix. I made that known. I was worried that it wasn't going to work out because golf and lacrosse season are smack on top of each other. So I didn't want to take away from opportunities I was getting in golf. And it was crazy. And now having done a first season of it, uh, how many times it did work out. And we did some schedule massaging. And I'm so grateful that my boss was willing to let me go off um, every other weekend. But what a lot of people didn't realize, I think even my coworkers, I think even our producer at first had no idea that I was hosting Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, going out to a tournament Thursday, Friday, and then meeting up with you guys for PLL games Saturday, Sunday. So it was like, I mean, I was just my head constantly on a swivel. Like, what state am I? What state <laughs> am I right now? Uh, what is my role? Am I hosting, reporting? Okay, like, let me get in my zone. So the preparation, especially with the new league, when you're learning new names and uh, you know the the rules are different than what I'd seen before. All of that squished together was like high intensity training over here. <laughs> How did you prep? Because I'm always interested in knowing how people prep, because like you said, your mind was in a million different places between, you know, your multiple roles. So how did you each weekend prep for the new guys who was playing who the new rules? What did that look like? Are you a person that like just sits down and writes a ton of notes and then throughout the game, you know, reference back to them? Or how does that work for you? Yes, I have been busted so many times and all of those nice photos that PLL has with like massive notebooks with more and more notes, like, you know, on scrap paper, like rolling out of it. So I have been guilty of that. Um, and I know I over-prepare and something that even uh, it's like I said, kind of sport by sport dependent. So when I was covering golf at first and getting acclimated, I was horrified. Like I never want to be caught in a position where there's something I don't know, or I can't like access quick, you know, cell phone's not working and I can't look up that stat quick. So Unfortunately, then when you have too much, then when you need it, you're like too busy going through your own crap to figure out where what you need is. Um, but yeah, I I'm still learning kind of how to prepare for PLL because it is so different than golf. I mean, golf obviously is such a slower pace, um, so you have time to kind of build up the storyline and know where to pay attention and uh, kind of fine tune what you're going to ask. But with PLL. Holy moly, that was a crash course because although it's great to have access instantly, I couldn't even, there was plenty of times I couldn't see the play develop because I'm behind the guys to not interfere with what they needed to do. So I'm like, hold on a second, whose stick did that come from initially? Like who actually had that assist? And, um, you know, then I need an interview right then and there. So I don't even have a minute to process or double check. I am like, the biggest thing I've had to learn is keep it simple. I don't need to get fancy. 
what people want is instant reaction from players. They don't want this perfectly phrased question because the guys are also some of half the time they're like, all right, we're ready to go. And as soon as we get to them, they've got to go back in the game. So a lot of um, the energy and uh, I guess prepar- mini preparation you have ends up not getting used because it's so ever changing. And that's, that's something that took me all season long. I can remember going into the championship game. I was like, okay, I better not F this up. So <laughs> I had like my own, like, hype card for myself in there. Like, okay, you can do this. Like it was, I mean, you know, we all have doubts. And I think what happens in, especially TV, people see these, you know, well manicured, uh, hosts and reporters play by play. And you think they never screw up. They don't have fears and worries. And that is like the biggest lie, the biggest conspiracy theory out there. Um, and we all have doubts and worries and get the jitters. And if I feel like if you don't have that, then why are you doing this? But I think people just don't talk about it as often. And maybe they want that image that they are untouchable. But I'm like, you know what? Who are we fooling here? I think one aspect that I really enjoyed is all of the different ways that we were able to communicate with the players, as you said, and how fast it was. How much time did you have after a goal? And it's like, all right, Chantal, you're up on the sidelines, you're talking to this person. And then it's like, oh my, as you just said, it's like, it happens so fast. What, how fast do you have to prepare and get in the zone for them to run into you for that interview? Well, it's funny because you think about it, no other sport do you have that access, which is the whole appeal to doing it that way. But um, having said that, at least the fastest sport I ever covered before that I guess you could say is the closest in similarity to is hockey, but you could not even access players, not even to ask them something that you might use later um, until, you know, you're getting to intermission until, until the period's done. So it was a crazy concept that I had to force myself to think faster, to do things faster. And uh, to be honest, there's more often than not, like I said, I am, as soon as somebody scores, let them do their celebration and I'm getting into position so the camera can angle, that we're not like angled at the sun. I'm kind of worried about the aesthetics instead of, okay, what happened? Uh, how, was that is third assist, fourth assist? Like, so unfortunately it robs us of kind of getting the full picture, but it serves a totally different perspective as quick hits. And, um, it's cool. I, I think that some guys are a little more comfortable with it than others. <laughs> that's so, it, it, there's a million personalities out there. So that's the other battle for me is um, the caveat of not traveling um, and being with everybody on a consistent basis and getting to know guys and how to ask something better to them. Um, even just, uh, okay, should I give them a beat or should I get in there? What do they prefer? Um, there's just so many different things that you you can really take coverage to the fullest extent when you do know these guys and that comes with time. So that was something I was so looking forward to in year two. I'm like, okay, I kind of get a better picture of, you know, who's good at what, you know, the big personalities like Trevor and Matt, you, you know what to expect there, but there are guys that, you know, I want them to get to know me. So I, my famous line is when I was going up and introducing myself to people for the first time, I said, Hey, I want you to know my name and face. So the first time you see me isn't shoving a microphone into your face and you're trying to get back out on the field. 
You uh, said you were at the championship game. You sidelined report for us there. Take us through your experience of that game because it was a wild ride, the entire thing. Rambo <laughs> overtime goal, and then you got to interview Rambo after all of that happened. So take us through your experience of the championship game. So actually, I just preached nonstop about how I have no preparation because we wanted to show all the celebrations on the field. I had a couple seconds to talk to Matt before. And I have not yet told him. I think I, I, think I messaged him and, and gave him a little bit of a hard time. I don't know, like, am I allowed to swear and say things? Okay, okay great. So I, I think I kind of busted his balls a little bit. And um, I don't think he knew what I was talking about. But right before I did the live interview with him, I said, hey, I'm going to reference the fact that you lost a national championship in Philly and how fulfilling it is to have won a PLL championship in your backyard. And you know how you can kind of like be a little preoccupied sometimes. <laughs> I don't know if you could have heard me or if you just didn't care or wasn't listening. But so it's funny if you go back and watch the interview, I asked him that I didn't specifically reference an NCAA national championship but he just like blew right by that and just like decided to talk about whatever he wanted. <laughs> so it, I just, I get a kick out of those moments because nobody would have known that happened and the interview didn't come out bad, but it's so funny. You like try to control things and then I mean, live TV and my goodness, anything can happen. But um, what is, I mean, it was such a treat to be able to uh, not just be a part of that, but like see the work that you guys do on a daily basis. I mean, I can honestly say I get stopped constantly. Like nobody cares about golf when they stop me. So many people just want to know, how is that PLL working? Like how are they going to all these different sites? And people are so fascinated and the content, they're like so into it. And it's it, it speaks volumes because you guys are faced with, I don't want to say a little amount of resources, but you don't, let's face it. You don't have what the NFL has. You don't have what NHL has. Like you guys are it. I mean, you wear a million hats and it is insane for me to get a front row seat and like, sorry to be creepy, but observe what you guys have going on because I, I haven't been able to experience that. It, it seeing a startup league, it's insane. So, um, it was fun to be there, obviously an epic game. Um, but I, I referenced kind of the the caveat to the good interviews are the interviews that are the heartbreaks. And um, interviewing that honestly was my favorite thing because his passion just pours out. And it's like, I feel like he's my dad. Like, I feel I feel for him. Like, I'm hurting with him. I'm like, what? This is so crazy. But, you know, you get to, you know, know these guys and they care about you and you care about them and you're supposed to be unbiased. And I want the best team to win at the end of the day, but uh, it, it is such an emotional roller coaster for us who are around these people every day. Like you want everybody to win, no participation trophies, but you know it's it's hard to see the the flip side of it. But um, it's it's an honor to be able to pull that passion out of people and um, get them to talk about things and navigate them through the storytelling. If you had to compare your role with the golf and like what you're doing with golf channel and PLL, what would be those similarities? Similarities. Wow. Um, I don't know if there are many. I think it's very like you're on both ends of the spectrum, but like in a way it's kind of, as you said, like the personalities and like understanding and that, but 
the individual sport compared to the team sport is very different. So it's like very impressive, as you said before, like how much you're having to change your role from the beginning of the week to when you're with us on the weekends. I mean, it's very impressive. You need to know that. Well, thank you. And it's something that I think people are like, oh, like you've covered sports, you can do this. It's, I mean, people said, oh, it's, it's going to be so much like hockey. I'm, I'm thinking, hell no, it's not, not even close. Um, but the other thing is that with Golf Channel, I do play like a quasi role because I'm on the broadcast and then I'm on our news programs mostly. So the equivalent I can give is I do our golf version of Sports Center every night. So that is kind of totally different than how you, the things you look for and talk about when you're doing the broadcast, which is what happens with PLL. But I think just finding the stories that um, are not getting highlighted um, from time to time. I mean, everybody knew, especially at the championship game, uh, you know, Rambo being a hometown hero guy and MVP of the season, that that story wrote itself. But there's so many things that, you know, injuries and small, I mean, we were even talking about the upcoming drafts in that game. And uh, there's all of these things that aren't obvious, but when you put them on the radar of people, it really gives more of a context to what's going on. So I, I, I can see that being a similarity. And I, I love digging for those things that, I mean, I can remember getting in a couple times early when I was able to make practice and go, I didn't know really what I should kind of, how I should prepare it, but I was going out to practices and just kind of like literally listening to what guys were talking about and seeing if that might be something, you know, you never know what's going to come out. Somebody's, you know, sister got into a car accident. Oh, well, maybe that's why he had a crappy game or somebody's sister got into a car accident. Oh, wow. Well, that might, be, I mean, what, holy smokes, this guy like has had a week from hell and is the hero. I mean, if you don't find those little nuggets and tidbits before, then um, you might not be painting the full picture. So I like to be the boots on the ground. And even though it can be a grind and exhausting and you're like, oh gosh, when am I going to get the moment to bring this up? It's rewarding to be able to uh, bring those things to light. I think that's how it is for us too, because we're the ones who kind of like push forward the media for the teams. So it's really understanding like the background of our coaches and these guys and like what really hits home for them. Yeah. And like, just so that we can as well, but from their perspective mm-hmm. and help them, because I think with lacrosse, it is so new with media and like, as um, yeah. it is growing stronger, it's helping get these guys to promote themselves in that way. Right. It's me. funny because there's a lot of similarities in terms of like the personalities of what you can expect in golf versus uh, lacrosse versus every other sport because you think about how NFL like their trash talk back and forth like you know even Tom Brady's like you know getting in and making his comments on Instagram and becoming <laughs> more of a personality as well as obviously his athletic feats but um, I think NFL is pretty good at that I mean MLB definitely has that uh, NBA, gosh, they are like made for that. I mean, their little, you know, Instagram, Twitter wars. Is, I mean, those are entertaining, but um, hockey still very, it's like the three sports that I covered. It's like not the stiffs, but the guys that are a little slower to open up and um, it's just not in the culture. So mm-hmm. that's what's impressed me the most about the PLL is how like that stuff drives 
viewers. It drives storylines. People care. It's Kim Kardashian shows for sports people. Like <laughs> we we want that. Like there's a reason why we click on it. it it's in our human nature. So um, I think it's really helpful. And it, it's interesting because when I covered hockey and I know that was now five years ago, so things have changed because I think people see the value in it. But even in golf, they like don't want any drama. Like, uh-uh, like we, these guys get along, don't worry. And it's like, hell no, they don't. Everybody knows it. Why are we trying to act like they don't? And like, people love that they don't. So like, let's keep with it. This is, we don't need to, we don't need to sugarcoat it or cover it up. Like this stuff rocks. <laughs> uh, let's shift over to talking about being women in sports. I know we all have had like our own personal experience of sort of, Climbing the ranks, um, it's definitely, I think, something every woman goes through when they get into the sports industry is, you know, you have to jump over hurdles and all of this stuff. So what were some of those hurdles that you had to jump over and what's the best advice you can give someone who's trying to look into to get into the sports industry? When it comes to advice, um, the grass isn't always greener. There's always going to be bullshit. And um, even now, like there's things that frustrate me. There's things that, oh, I wish I had that assignment. And um, it, it doesn't go away. I think you just learn that like there's things that are out of your control. And if you keep doing the best job and you have a good confidant and somebody that you can trust and go to and don't get like give them less and less reason to criticize you. Um, you know, we're all, we're all learning. We're all growing. There's people who are executives for 20 years and they make mistakes in their business and, um, it doesn't come crashing down usually, but, um, it's something that is kind of ever changing. And especially with, you know, I think about now we're doing shows from home and we're all learning this new technology. So, uh, that's been an an added battle. I'm like, why can't I get this freaking thing to work? Like, Today, we're hopping on doing Zencaster, and I'm like, okay, I'm a millennial. I should be able to get this. But the stupid things that don't work, and it it, it used to consume me, and I think it's – I'm wired like that, that personality where, of course, I want control. I am a little shorty. I have Napoleon syndrome. I, <laughs> I, I want to have everything even and perfect and yada, yada. But um, I have had to myself get so much better at, okay – that's not going to work that way. Let me try the next best, best thing. And honestly, stop taking things so personally. Like that that right there probably will solve a lot of problems. Yeah. Did you have a mentor throughout your career process that you looked up to? Or was there any advice you've ever gotten from a fellow female in the industry that has sort of helped you along the way? Yeah. I um, There's a woman, Deb Placey, who was a longtime uh, New Jersey Devils reporter and host. And, uh, I would call her having meltdowns constantly. <laughs> I was like crying and on the road and like, what do I do when they say this? And, um, it's so funny. And I think because you know, she had a family and whatnot, it, it made it difficult for us to talk when I like was really on edge. Uh, but I can, I can't thank her enough for being there when she could be there and nav- helping me navigate through some of the stuff I was seeing for the first time and trying to figure out how to react to what to do better. Um, but that to me, I, I want to pass that on more than anything because there's so much sugar coating and um, it gets at nobody anywhere. Um, my, my favorite saying is be real, not perfect. Um, 
you know, there's so much crap that goes on in all of our lives. You just never know what, what the deal is. And, um, if you're real, if you're candid, if you're truthful, like that's, that's all, that's the best thing that comes out in the wash. So mm-hmm. that's, uh, that's, that's all she wrote for me. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Max. I know I always feel like too, with a fellow women in sports, we're all, I think very supportive of one another because we're all sort of in the same boat together and face the same sort of challenges. So I know when I always talk to like other women in sports or girls that are trying to get into it, or even people like that were my mentors before me, I feel like we're all very supportive of one another and support each other because, you know, there's few of us in this. So we sort of stick together. So I always like to tell girls that are thinking about it, like we're a pretty supportive group. Uh, you know, if you can find the right girls, because we're all, you know, we're all here to help each other. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's so crazy. I'm sure with our sports and our schedules in our world that the three of us face, um, there's so few of our friends outside of the world that can relate or they're like, what are you talking about? You just got to go to Colorado for the weekend. And it's like, no, 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 no. Hold on. Um, So I, I think that, you know, I'm not really like, a feminist and saying equal pay, equal opportunity. But what I can say is that it is so nice to be able to just vent to another female who knows what you're going through because we do face different things than the guys. Hate to say it, but it's true. Um, we're held to different, you know, we're looked at for different things. And um, that's one thing I, I am so grateful for my girlfriends in TV because we just get each other on a level that just can't be matched. And it's like legitimately soul sisters. And uh, it's nice. We can share. I love when a female counterpart um, at another place gets a good encouraging sign or responsibility it, it nothing else makes me happier. Even at Golf Channel, when somebody, when there's a female who has my back and she gets something, I'm never like, "Why did she get instead of me?" I'm like, "Hell yes, we need females represented." And that, even if it's not me, I am glad that that step was taken and get it, girl. So I think there's a lot more of that than the backstab. I mean, when I did pageants back in the day, woo, that, that was quite the opposite. We'll put it that way. <laughs> Well, we wanted to have you do our next segment with us if you have time. Okay. Um, our seg- it's called Hypothetically Speaking, and during it we uh, throw out like crazy scenarios and debate which players would fit in certain scenarios. So this is more about uh, interviewing. And so okay. the question is, is, if you could interview just one athlete, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Okay, it doesn't have to be lacrosse. No, no. any athlete. Hmm. One athlete go, you've always wanted to interview. I'll go first. Okay. Mine is Serena. I think Serena is just like uh, so cool and like so strong. And I worked at US Open and I saw her compete. And I just think that on and off of the court, she's just someone that I think has a very great story. And I think, and even that, I think she would just be a really good interview. I think she'd keep it real. And I think it would be like really enjoyable. So mine would be Serena, for sure. I'll say mine. I was I've been trying to think about this for like the last couple of days, and there's yeah, you have had a running start. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been able to like think of anyone. I would the first name that honestly popped into my mind, and I think it has a lot to do with what has happened in the last couple months is Kobe, because I'm just so would be so interested in like hearing his 
his story and, you know, now, unfortunately, with everything that happened, like just seeing his perspective on his life and his career and his legacy and how all of that has changed. And I think, too, in the last couple of months, I've get to I've gotten to know him as an athlete just through videos more than I did before. And it's I think he's just a great storyteller. And I think it would just be so intriguing to, to hear him tell his life story. Right. I I wanted something like clever and creative, but I know that deep down, I would want, not necessarily for interview purposes, but to talk to Tiger Woods candidly because he gets asked a lot of the same questions. And now that he has a partnership with Golf TV, they kind of pulled out some new things from him. But uh, we all know about the downfall and the public humiliation. And he's never really talked about that. He's supposed to come out with a um, autobiography this year, but I, I guess that's on hold. Um, but there's been so much speculation, you know, so many rumors, and you know, we know some of it to be true. But the fact that he got back on top of the mountain after—I mean, how many people, when you get public hum- publicly humiliated, I mean, you're never the same. But um, not only that, but like the back fusions, and you hear horror stories about how he couldn't even get out of bed and like how all he could do was lift his arms for months. And then he comes back and he wins the masters. It's, I would love to just pick his brain and like learn about how mentally you get to the point where you're like, screw it. Like I, I'm going to let all of this go. I'm going to forgive myself. I'm going to continue to just chase what I love and I'm not going to let anybody speculate or, you know, worry about my health and just go for it. Well, thank you for all you did in 2019, and we hope to see you again this season. Yes, sounds good. Before we get into that speed, boy, this podcast is brought to you by our incredible friends at Ticketmaster, the official presenting sponsor of the championship series. Ticketmaster has all of your needs when it comes to concerts, sporting events, arts and theater, and more. To check out everything they have to offer, head to Ticketmaster.com or open up the Ticketmaster app. Again, Ticketmaster.com or open up your Ticketmaster app. Now it's time for four. That's speed, boy. That's speed, boy. Alrighty. This week, it is specific to the first ever game that was broadcast on NBC, and that was the Redwoods vs. Atlas Week 1 at Gillette. Oof. <laughs> Very specific. During the segment, Emma will have 52 seconds to answer as many interesting stats, fun facts, anything about our players' games that's happened this season. If she gets it right, she will hear this sound. And if she gets it wrong, she will hear this sound. Are you ready? I am. I I don't know if I'm going to do very good. I remember – I like- tried to tailor these um, so they're somewhat easy because I – like that was like basically a year ago. I know. Oh, my gosh. It was a year ago. Like it – what? It was no, this wow. upcoming weekend. And the, June 1st. I, I, that weekend was so crazy just because it was the first weekend of PLL. We were trying to figure out what we were going to do. I mean, okay. I'm, I think I can do it, but it's – Okay, ready, go. What was the final score of Redwoods versus Atlas? Uh, 12-11. Oh. What color jerseys did the Redwoods wear? White. Who scored the first ever goal for Atlas? Uh, 
Uh, Brownie? Who scored the first ever goal for Redwoods? Clark Peterson. Garrett Apple laid his first big hit in week one. Who was it on? Um, um, Joel Tinney. How many goals did Joe Walters have? Goals. Um, two. Let's go. True or false, Paul Rabel scored week one. False. Who oh. led Atlas in calls turnovers that game? Atlas um. calls turnovers. Kate, dang it! Final score was eleven nine Woods. Redwoods wore white. Eric Law scored the first ever goal. I almost said Eric Law. Dang it! Clark Peterson scored the first goal for the Redwoods. I knew that. The 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 goal's like insane. It's it's very weird. Joey Sankey did like a he He gets like hit to him. Yeah, like and then the he like. He gets double hit, and the ball like kind of accidentally goes to Clark. And yes. Clark, it's crazy, but it, I mean, it yeah. was a good one. You were right on Joel Tinney getting hit by Garrett Apple first. <laughs> Joe Walters had two goals, and Paul Rabel did score week one. I'm so sorry, Paul, if you're listening. <laughs> so sorry. And Austin Pafani led Atlas and Calls turnover that game. Oh, Austin Pafani. Pafani. all right that is our episode for this week we'll talk to you all next tuesday but before we go make sure you subscribe on apple Podcasts and spotify and please 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 leave us a review Review. make sure you follow us at the inside feed on twitter and instagram and at least 29 and at emma dams on ig you can also follow Chantel at Chantel mccabe gc on instagram and twitter i don't know if i follow her i need i'm gonna follow her right now I was doing my research for this interview the other day, and I thoroughly went through her Instagram back to, like, 2014. <laughs> she's hearing this, and she's probably going to be like, oh, gosh. <laughs> no, there was something bad. I just wanted to see, like, what she did with her life. <laughs> so, All right. Bye. We'll talk to you next week. Dab, dab. Dab, 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 dab. For the record, I'm done trying to make y'all comfortable.